We've been, uh, we started a series a couple weeks ago, and, and Dr. Mila and my wife last week gave you a great message, and uh, it was uh, outstanding. I've listened to half of it because uh, of my schedule, but uh, I'm going to listen to the rest of it this week, and, and I know that you are ministered too. We were uh, talking about uh, created to believe in Christ. And what we're answering, the question that we're answering is why God created me, why God created us. What is the real reason why we were created? Have you ever wondered that, you know, a God that needs nothing, a God that has all, created us. And there's a reason why he did. So that's what we're going to do. And, and for the next few weeks, we're going to discover what the Bible tells us, why we were created. So here again is the bottom line of what I'm sharing with you in this series. The goal of this series is to emphasize who God created me to be, not to do. You are human beings, not human doings. The struggle with church, a lot of times because of our passion to serve God, our passion to do things right, because we're hearing the word, we're changing, our life is changing, we want to do things, and that's good, that's wonderful. But sometimes after years of doing, 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 we forgot to become. And then we struggle, then we get hurt, then stuff happens and we don't know what to do with it. So the emphasis of this is to know what God created us to be so then we can do things in the right heart. So the spiritual truth emphasized in this series, it doesn't mean that we don't do anything, but it means everything we do is out of who we are, out of what you were created to be. And have you ever done things and just felt like, you weren't appreciated. And, and you feel like, well, but sometimes people don't appreciate you. But that's part of life. But when you understand what you're created to be, then your worth or your feel-good isn't by what other people say or do for you. It's because you are a son or a daughter of God and the reason why you do things is because of who you are. And so in that reality, uh, if you feel like, you know, you're doing too much, not enough, whatever, you're not walking around in condemnation or, or hurt or anger. So our main effort in, efforts in life should be becoming. God is more concerned about what we're becoming, not what we're doing. So this is who we are created to be as a church family. Here we go. We are to believe in Jesus, belong to family, become a follower, and build God's kingdom. Notice the first three is about becoming, and the last one is about what we're doing. Because if we get that where build God's kingdom first, then the enemy can come in and steal and kill and destroy many aspects of our life. So what does God expect of me? We learned last time together. 
God wants you to believe, and that's what we're talking about today. He wants you to belong. We're going to talk about how we belong. We're a family. Not only Valley Community, but we're Christians. And, and we live a certain way. There's a DNA we have in why we do things, how we get along with each other, how we work with one another, and uh, how we handle each other's personalities and quirks and all the different things. Did you know that God talks about that in Scripture? And, uh, you know, how many of you have ever worked with people in, at work and, and just kind of went, where did you come from, Mars? You know? But see, when you belong and there's an understanding, a DNA of understanding of why we do what we do, then even though we have our quirks and situations, we can really belong to one another. And we can really encourage and build one another up. Third of all, uh, what God expects of me is God wants uh, me to become. He wants you to become. Everything that he's doing, God's focus, watch what I'm saying to you. God's focus is this, that he wants you to know you're created in his image. And he wants to express himself fully to you so that you can be who he is. Because he already sees in you the totality of who you are because you're created in his image. You're created in who he is. You walk, talk, act, everything like him if you truly know who you are. I'm not God. You're not God. And, uh, but we live like him because we know him. So that's his focus. And then last but not least, and he wants you to build. That's why uh, Dr. Mila talks about a lot, marketplace ministry. I'm working in a lot of areas of marketplace ministry and working with, with a lot of folks outside these four walls. But that's what you do. That's what church is, equipping the saints for the work of their ministry. It's an 80-20. 20% of the people in the church usually function a lot in the church itself. But 80% of the church function in their ministry outside the four walls. We're all together. We're all just as important. But the reality is, is that's usually the statistic that goes on. And the struggle with a lot of preachers is they want 100% to do the vision of the church. And it just doesn't work that way. God didn't plan it that way. And so what I'm trying to bring to us in the introduction, per se, of the series is just to get you to a place of realizing how great you are in the kingdom of God. The way God sees you and he created you, wherever you've come from, whatever culture, male or female, God created you and you are so vital and important to his plan. And when we understand how, why God created us, then we can begin to move into the realm of success uh, in the church, outside the church, and, and be a blessing to the world because the Bible says, for God so loved the world. Did you know that? God loves the world. You're his family, but God loves the world. And he's using you, the family, to minister to the world. So my first point I gave you a couple weeks ago was that God created us with a purpose. 
And the purpose is God created us first to believe in him. The conclusion of that a couple weeks ago was that you were created with a purpose and that purpose is to believe, to believe in God, to believe what he says. But we also said God's faithfulness to who he is and what he does in the kingdom of God is not based on your belief only. It's based on his faithfulness. So here's what I want you to understand right away. God said something, he'll back that up with everything he's got. And there's some areas in the Bible, he said something, and the only way to enact it is by belief, by faith. Does that make sense? You know, you've read that in the Bible, you know that. If you've been here long enough, you know faith. And, and so the, the point that we want to get to in this series is we are created to believe in him. But our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is faithful. Everyone say the word faithful. faithful. Nothing changes him. He is God and he is faithful to what he says. Our last series about hearing God what he says he will do. Jesus is always faithful, even if you have no faith. He's faithful to his word. Our second point was this. God created us to believe him first. So in everything, we're to believe him first. And we use the scripture in Genesis chapter two. So let's read this again. And I want to take you a little bit further today than I did a couple weeks ago. It says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So what we found out is there are two trees. Why would God have two trees? Because God is uh, gracious enough to give us an ability to choose. Amen. He gave us an ability to choose, either the tree of life, which is faith, belief, or the tree of good and evil, all right? And when you choose the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what you choose is your own good, your own way. And so Adam and Eve, their sin was saying, you know, we listened to uh, Lucifer, we listened to Satan. And what Satan said, we believe that more than we believe what God said. And so they went their own way. And so when we're talking, when, when you believe God first, you don't see the verses in the Bible as God giving rules of do's and don'ts. See, when people say, well, why did God just, why didn't God just say this, I love you, and, and not give them a choice? Because God is so gracious and loving is that he gives you the choice either to believe or not to believe, to have faith or not to have faith. So follow the thought here as Scripture teaches us. The truth is, yes, if you disobeyed, you would die. There's consequence to unbelief. So God never intended Adam and Eve to be hurt. He just wanted his sons and daughters 
to believe him. Now, Deuteronomy uh, 1 verse 32 says, yet for all that, talking about Israel, for all that God did, you did not believe the Lord your God. For all, everything he did, he says, you didn't believe. Deuteronomy 9 verse 23. This is where they're about to cross the border to the promised land. Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, go up and possess the land which I have given you. Then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And notice, he didn't say, and you didn't do this or you did this. He says, and you did not believe him nor obey his voice. Belief always comes before action. Believing comes before doing. So the reason we don't obey is because we don't believe. Have you ever asked yourself a question, why did I do this? Why did I say this? And what Scripture is telling us is because you didn't believe. You were trying to find out a good to do so that things would be well. But God said something and you didn't believe it so you did something else or didn't do something. Second Chronicles 20.20 20 says this. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of uh, Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. He didn't say believe and once you believe, then have faith and then you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this and you work 24 hours a day, seven days a week and then you shall be established. He said, no, you believe, you're established. Very interesting because we're browbeat by a lot of religious circles of doing, 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 doing. We're browbeat going to work. If I do more, if I do better, then I'll get a promotion. No, if you believe. Hmm. Then he says, he says this, so they rose early in the morning, went out in the wilderness to Kohat, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, another mouthpiece of what God says, and you shall prosper. Believe, believe, believe. Just believe. John chapter 3, Jesus himself talks to us about the importance of believing. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Hmm, that's an interesting scripture. You ever heard of that one? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. How many believers are living in condemnation? 
because you didn't do the right thing. Because you did it and didn't work out. You thought you were going to be a blessing and, and something went wrong. But that the world through him might be saved. Again, watch him. This word believe. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. The wrath of God, here it is. Let me just tell you what the wrath of God, and he's not talking about that God grabs you by the, by the neck and just slaps you around, throws you in the pit of hell, says, forget you, I don't like you anymore because you did bad. The wrath of God comes because we don't believe. The wrath of God came to Adam and Eve because they didn't believe what God said. They believed what the enemy said. Remember in this series, we're talking about being or becoming. In John 6, verse 28 and 29, it says, Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? What shall we do? Everyone say do. See, that's where people are that we may work the works of God. And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. That's your main doing is believing. So let me tell you what, what I shared with my kids when they were young. Uh, my wife and I... Um, when we got married and we began talking about having children, um, we were really concerned about um, PKs, pastor's kids. PKs, pastor's kids, um, were always known as, in other words, problem kids. And we were concerned, why would that happen? Because we saw it. We saw it with, with pastors, we saw it with the kids and stuff and, and the problems that were there. And the Lord began to really show Terry and I some things. So I would take my kids, my daughter on a date night, and my son, it would be boys' night out. And I said to both of my kids these things. I said many things, but in accordance to what we're talking about, let me share with you some of the main focuses that I would, during, we would laugh, we would do things fun, we'd go to the park and, you know, I'd go to a baseball game and then we'd go out to eat and different things, what we could do at that time, what we could afford. And so with Ryan, um, I would sit him down and I'd say, I want you to know, son, and I want you to believe that I love you. Kind of look at you like, huh? I, I want you to understand your father loves you. And then as I talk to you about God is faithful, he's, out, he's created us to believe, but God's faithful anyways. I said the same thing to my son. I said, and Ryan, I'm faithful to that. Whatever happens in life, your father will always love you. I will always be there. Doesn't mean I won't correct you. Doesn't mean I, you know, I, I won't do things to correct you. because I, I correct you because I love you. And 
Then for my daughter, I would go to her and take her out on a date night. She would get all dressed up and mom would fix her hair and I'd wear a coat and tie and we'd go to a restaurant, you know, like McDonald's or something. And, <laughs> and yeah, it's all I could afford, don't, <laughs> you know. And, and, you know, I said, Jill, I want you to know and believe that your father loves you. And my daughter and my son, both of those times when they were young, would have tears in their eyes because they were already very sensitive to the Lord. I want you to know and I want you to believe that I love you, honey. And I'm going to be faithful to that. And both of them, I would ask them, do you believe me? Because I knew the importance of belief. They could say, I know, Dad. I know, Dad. You always tell me you love me. I know. You know, no, I, I want you to repeat to me, you really believe this. Because if you don't, I'm going to work as hard as I can so that you would believe. Because I want them to be a people that know that they're always loved. Because I'm an example as a father of our Heavenly Father. Then once they would admit to me, Dad, I believe you that you love me. I believe you, you will always love me. Yeah, I, mean, I, I would do this every time we went out. Every time. Probably until they were about 12 or 13. And then it was just, you know, conversations we'd have. Then after I really knew that they believed, I said this. Do you know that God loves you more than you could ever imagine? And that he's faithful to that. And I found because they believed me about me that they really believed God would. And here's my focus is this is part of the reason why I'm teaching this series and I put this series together uh, is because of young parent experiences. And they both answered, I'm going to believe you, Dad. And they both answered, I believe God loves me greater than I could ever imagine. And even today, I will tell them, you know God loves you. You know your daddy loves you. I'll text my, my daughter. Uh, your daddy loves you. And what she would always, most of the time, text back, I know that. I believe that. And it's not like, oh, dad, well, I love you. And so sometimes she would text me because she's far away and she says, Daddy, I just had, thinking about you today and just want you to know that I love you. And I text her back, I love you more. Because I'm always wanting to present the heart of God. And I, as you are listening to that, I want you to understand the Father loves you too. Your pastor loves you. And I believe in you. We all have our quirks, don't we? We all have our stuff. So God created us to believe in him first. Well, let's look at our third point, and let's spend some time with this. God created us to believe him last, too. What do I mean by that? I'm going to explain it. John 20 says, 
But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. You may have life, your future, in his name. 1 John 5.13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. I mean, how many of you are sitting there thinking, wow, everywhere in the Bible it talks about believing. And my whole life I've been brainwashed to do. Nothing wrong with doing, but you do it right when you believe first and you believe last. This is what I want to help you with. Belief is how you get saved, and you can't add works to it. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So here's a question that I, I want to bring you. I'm bringing you to a point, and we're going we're gonna to bring ourselves to this revelation. Here's the question I want to ask you. Why do we need to continue to believe? Believe God last. So please hear this. You believe for eternal life, but you continue to believe for abundant life. God wants to prosper you and bless you. Every place you place your foot, your hand, God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your business. He wants to bless everything, your family, your home, your friendships, everything that you have in life. He wants you to walk in a lifestyle of blessing. But here's the point. You have to believe him first, and you have to believe him last. You have to become what God created you to be. So let me say it another way. There are some who are not experiencing abundant life in some areas of their life because in those areas, they or you don't believe. There are some wonderful, amazing people I know around the world that they are the most giving, the most caring, the most gracious, wonderful, gifted people but there are areas of their life that they struggle in. And the problem with the world is areas of their life, and hear me correctly now, is that they blame it on how they were raised, where they were born, um, you know, what happened when they were a child, what happened at their first job, you know, uh, divorce, what happened with, you know, whatever. They, they begin to blame it on all that. And I just want to say to you, in all what we've been finding out, that the prosperity and the abundant life that we are to live comes because we believe, not because of what we do or don't do or what other people do or don't do. Now, here's the reality. When we, don't, we get hurt, what happens is our belief factor gets smacked by the enemy. When a parent abuses, our belief factor of a relationship with a father, 
a relationship with a mother gets smacked, and we don't believe that. It's not that we're not good. It's not that we're uh, not trying to do right, and it hurts. And if we don't get back into the belief factor of what God said, what God created us to be, then those things can destroy us. That's why we have Freedom Ministries, to help people who have had their belief factor smacked so they can get back in line into the reality of believing what God says. And then they will become not what the tragedy created, but they will become what God created them to be. And that's the truth. Are you following me with this? This is, this is so God. It's so real. And, it, and again, as I say, it, it's really kind of simple. It has to be simple for me to understand it. And it is. And so what God does is, is he brings us into an area and saying, get back to the believing. Get back to what you've, I created you to be. Get back to becoming what I created you to be. What is that? Believing God first and believing God last. And then when you do that, the spiritual truth, then what you do is done out of who you are. Or let me say it another way. What you do is done because of what God created you to be. And when you do it that way, it's pure and it will always be successful. It doesn't matter to God, doesn't matter to me whether you've been in jail, whether you, all the different things in life, it doesn't matter. What matters is you get your belief factor back to believing God first and believing God last. <laughs> they believe in Jesus, but in some areas of their life, they don't believe. Well, let me give you an example. And in this one example is an area where people push back, but that's okay. I'm going to do it because I'm led of the Holy Spirit. Finances. To some, you don't believe 90% with God's blessing will go further than 100% of your paycheck without God's blessing. And the reason why people don't tithe is not because they don't want to do right. It's not because they don't want to do good. It's not because they don't want to be a, a you know, kingdom follower. The reason why they don't tithe is they didn't believe in it. And if you don't believe in it, then you don't do it. If you don't tithe, you don't believe it. This is where uh, I get a lot of warfare when I preach on these topics. And the hardest areas to get people to believe, first of all, salvation. That's the biggest. People just don't believe it. They have been so inundated with hurt and despair and anger. And every time they turn around, TV, radio, everyone's blaming God. Why would God allow that to happen? They read in the paper, you know, I mean, every earthquake, every tornado is act of God, you know, all the, all the different things. I just want to tell you, every earthquake, every, every tornado is an act of sin. This earth is dying. Amen. And we blame God for it all the time. So because of that, your belief factor in some areas of your life, uh, you don't believe. And because you don't believe, you don't act on it. And that's where people are with salvation. Finances and marriage. 
are the three areas that are the hardest. I get warfare, spiritual warfare. Last night, I woke up in the middle of the night, and the first thing I heard was, why are you preaching on that? In a little bit, I'll tell you where I told them to go. So, but believe, <laughs> believing in Jesus is not just the one time that you did it 20 to 25 years ago for your salvation. You believe every day. Because let me just tell you, I'm not talking about that every day you got to get resaved. That's, that's not what the Bible says. Salvation is more than going to heaven. Salvation is everything of the kingdom of God. So every day you believe and you walk in your salvation. We will later on get some uh, scripture and read it to you. But believing is something you are created to be, all right? Believing is what you are created to be, and you must decide every day if you will become it and do it. I said believe him first and believe him last. Let me say it this way. Who has the last word in your life? Yeah, God, of course. But who has the last word in your life? You need to ask yourself that question every single day. Who has the last word when it comes to your marriage? Some of you, you know, guys would say, well, my wife does because I want to watch the game today. But, you know, no, it's, it, you have to get to a place, who has the last word, how you treat your spouse? The scripture or you? Who has the last word about your finances? Who has the last word on what you're going to look at on the internet? I want you to see this. The one who has the last word is the one you believe in. There were two people wanting to be believed in the garden. First, God, who said, if you eat from that tree, you will die. And then Satan, he came along and said the exact opposite. No, you won't die. So let's say it another way. Who has the latest word in your life? Have you known someone who just was like super Christian? Ta-da! Ten years later, they're like, I'm not going to church anymore. Why? They're a bunch of fakes. You know, they're, they just... You know, they stand up. That guy stands up there. He talks all the time. By the way, he has, he has verbal dysentery. He just talks, 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 talks. You know, and, and, but 10 years ago, they believed it. Well, my question to you, did they believe it or did they just do it? Hmm. God created us to believe in him and have a purpose and have a relationship with him and continue to believe and grow in him. Let me ask you this. Has any of you ever had Satan remind you of your past mistakes to you? You ever sat there and just think about how awful I was? He does that to me sometimes. You know, sometimes the enemy will come to me, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do a trip and Africa, wherever, the Caribbean, all the different places that I've gone, conferences in Florida, you know, hundreds and sometimes thousands of people leading. 
Who do you think you are standing in front of the church sounding perfect? I mean, literally, literally I've heard the voice of the enemy. And he says, who do you think you are? I was in the Caribbean, and um, I was getting ready uh, that night. I was changing some things on my notes because uh, I had like 75 different leaders of churches, 75 different churches, and we were doing a leadership. And so I was changing things, and, and the enemy just, I heard the voice. He said, who do you think you are? You don't know all things. You're not perfect. And <laughs> it was like right there, and I said, I didn't even discuss it with him. And I just literally told him, you just need to go back to hell. I said it a little bit different way. And I said, I believe God, not you. I choose a tree of life. I don't choose the other tree. I didn't hear him again. And there were 20 other churches that heard that night and joined the conference. So what God did was, was expand the ministry, and this is, this is where it came. Not because I did anything. It's because I just said, I believe in God, not you. You have to come to a place in your life where you recognize, again, I said this in the last series, God loves you, Satan hates you. Anything that is opposite of the word of God is a hatred of the things of God. Any statement, anything that people do, and you know what? People will say things, do things, not do things, not because they're evil, it's because they just don't believe. That's why I can stand as a pastor in front of people that come to me and accuse me of things that are so ludicrous and stupid and love them. Amen. People can say things to me, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm a human being, but it does hurt at times. But I can just stand there and say, I just really feel sorry. For them. Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 9. Look at this. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus. Do you see the heart of God there? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is about belief. Second Corinthians says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You know what belief is? Believe God first, believe God last. 
is a guarantee that what he says will take place. Church, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what you didn't do. God said it, it's a guarantee. He has given kindness, he's given grace, he's given the Holy Spirit, he's made you to sit in heavenly places. Did you know some of you have sat in heavenly places and you didn't even know it? What are you talking about, Pastor? The presence of God is right there with you wherever you go as a believer. When you believe God, he's there. Man, I, you know, I look at this, what I'm teaching you, and I think, oh, if I didn't have this truth, I'd be walking around in guilt all my life. I know some of you just look at me and say, oh, oh, pastor, so spiritual. You know what? I've had to grow just like you. I've had to become just like you. I've had to break out of the doing and be the becoming, just like I'm teaching you. And I want to challenge every one of you in closing today. I'm going to say a few things here, but I want to challenge you to break out of that place. And if there's areas that you keep stumbling in, it's not because you're ignorant. It's not because you're dumb. It's not because you can't do it. It's not because you don't have the ability. It's because you just haven't believed yet in that area. I choose to believe I am more than a conqueror. Jesus already did the work for me. I choose to believe that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Satan, I choose to believe what the word says about me and not what you say. Well, what about my friends said this and they hurt me? Well, you know, the enemy might have used that person, but you know what? That person's not your enemy. Hello? That person's not your enemy. Breaks my heart when I see stuff where families and I used to, as a supervisor, I used to go to churches and help straighten things out. And there were smaller churches. Some were 50, 40, 80, 120. Do you know the average church in America is 57 people? And um, so I, I would go to them as a supervisor and I would sit with a council and I'd begin to say, now, what's going on? Well, we and they're fighting each other. I said, hold on, wait a minute. And I would just sit there and talk to them. Sometimes I'd spend three full days with a council. And there's one time I had to fire all the council. i just get rid of them. I said, you guys no longer have a real heart for God. You guys are speaking the language of the enemy. And I said, today is your last day on this church council. You are done. And I knew I was going to do that, and so I literally had to bring two of people in my church that were uh, sheriff deputies. And so they walked in at the end of the meeting when I was doing that and stood there. 
That's how evil it can get. And I want to tell you, before I said that to them, I, I said this. I said, I want you to know, my name is Gary Klaus. And I don't take my position as a supervisor, as some authoritarian. And I had tears in my eyes. I had tears going down my cheek. I said, I want you to know that I love you, God loves you, and there's a place of repentance. But today's your last day. And if you ever need me, you know where I'm at. And I literally had to, for a couple months, um, look around when I went places. Because one threatened me. Satan, I choose to believe what the Word says about me and not what you say. Church, I choose to believe in Jesus and what he did for me. For by grace, I am saved through faith. Belief. Not by what I do. So what I have to do, again, here it is. And we're going to move on. We're going to have some fun with this. I am who I am because God created me to be that. What I've learned is to believe it. And I live that with all of gusto I can make up. Do I make mistakes? Uh-huh. Do I repent a lot? Yes. Amen. Don't look at me that way. Don't look at me so pious. Some of you need to repent. No, just kidding. <laughs> Amen. Are you with me? We're a family. We belong together. We're in, this, we're in this to reach the world for Jesus Christ. So my last statement to you before we stand is what is this message saying to you? What is God saying to you today? Where is that area that you've been faltering in? It's not because you can't. You just didn't believe. You just didn't believe. And all I'm asking you to do is to believe. That's why we have the ignition point table. Got to have scripture. That's why we have the 101 scriptures about healing in a pamphlet. That's why we have freedom ministries. That's why we have OSL, discipleship ministries. That's why we have more than conquerors. That's why we have Bible study. That's why we have women's, men's events. That's why we have the men's journaling. Why is that? It's because I'm looking at the greatest people in the world people that have all ability to accomplish God's plan because God's the one that created you and me. And when you believe that, the Bible says you become established. I am established. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can do this thing. Your children can be one for the Lord. That child that's in jail, 
He can turn around. She can turn around. And life can be transformed. Nothing is impossible for God. You just have to believe. Let's all stand.